Hi, I'm Glow Gordon, CEO of Matrix. We had to figure out how to make sure that we could outlast the unknown. I'm Catherine Speglia, and this is Well Technically, the tech podcast where women do the explaining. Hi, Glow. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. Yes, of course. Okay, so we're going to be talking about your role as CEO and how you've transitioned into that. But before we do that, we, of course, have to ask you about another role that you have in society. So what is an example of a time in which being a woman has empowered you? Early when I started out in my career, right out of college, I I had a sales role uh, and it was just a great role for me. It was uh, um, unexpectedly just super motivating for me. I really loved it. And um, this company were, was world renowned for its sales training and, and culture. Um, and they would motivate us by showing stack rankings in a district, a region, nationally. It worked for me. It was completely motivating for me. Um, I was in the top five in the country in every sales role that I had. I made sure of it. Um, and I decided at one point it was time to change locations. I wanted to stay with the same company, but move to a different district. So I decided to interview in a different district for, for the next sales promotion. In that interview process, I learned who my main competition was. He didn't even have close to the same performance I had. So I felt really good about my chances. So I interviewed, went through the whole process and I didn't get the job. It went to this other guy and I was astounded and I wanted to know why. So I physically showed up to that district and I really wanted answers. And the best answer I could get was culture fit. I really had no idea what that meant, but it really fueled me. So I ended up getting that same role in my district and stayed where I was. And I continued my trend of performance, making sure to let my performance speak for itself. Later, I learned that this gentleman played golf with the region manager. They were buddies. And uh, this regional manager had called in a favor. So I had never stood a chance from the beginning. I didn't know. So I learned a lot about that experience. It's about the network. It's about the executive, um, you know, influencer network. And at the time, all of those executives were male. So from there, whether I stayed with that company or went to other companies, I sought out leaders who supported women. And there are those out there. Luckily, um, you know, I found a few that took a chance on me made a huge difference in my career. I can think of four of them right now who I am so grateful for their support. So I found that many of the female CEOs I'm running into now, because there tends to be a few more in the industry who are new in their role, kind of like I am. And we all have an interesting journey getting to this role, even if it wasn't in our sights. I didn't pursue this role. Someone believed in me, tapped me and asked me to, to consider it, who also happened to be a male. Well, now it's our turn to empower and embrace young women as they come up the ranks, give them chances, give them the confidence that they belong in the arena, pay it forward. And that to me is really the empowerment that I think of when I think about being a woman as an executive and also just making sure that I have meaningful results and I'm making a difference in the world. That's really great. And I think your, your answer there highlights another aspect of 
what some women can, can struggle with in this industry. You weren't not hired because you were a woman, but this boys club environment was already established. It's just another, another kind of way in which women can be undermined, um, even if the intention isn't to undermine women. Um, but that's kind of that's the right. result. As you mentioned, you're kind of new-ish to the role of CEO. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Not new to the industry, but new-ish to this, this role of CEO. And you started right before COVID, like right That's before. Right. <laughs> so what are some of the biggest challenges you faced in that new role, particularly given the timing and how many changes I assume had to be made to the way that the company operated? Yeah, it's great. It's a, it, it was really a great time for me to be a CEO, to learn so much so fast. And, and, and the, the whole industry and the whole culture shift that's taken place as a result of COVID. Um, and so we learned a lot over the last two and a half years going into this role. Um, COVID hadn't started yet. I made my first trip to Europe, got to meet part of the team. And I was more of on a, on a listening tour of what we needed to do to pivot from a technology-led company to a go-to-market-led company. We were ready to scale. And so I was learning about the company. I came back from my first trip. We cut it short because I was heading to Milan and that was where the hotspot was. And we came home uh, early and then we were basically on lockdown for the next two years. So what we were most concerned about was the unknown. And the company didn't know me. They knew me from the board, but that's not really knowing an executive, right? That's kind of removed. So coming into the role, thankfully, our two founders are with us. They're brilliant, and they were able to help us. Um, but we had to figure out how to make sure that um, you know, we could outlast the unknown. We had to extend our runway, um, probably even go into a fundraise mode. And uh, we asked our, our people to participate in helping us extend the runway. Um, people contributed by taking a 10% cut in pay to you know, to, to be rewarded in the future with something that wasn't certain. And we did end up making them whole in a different way, but they didn't know how that was going to happen. But when 90% of the company opted in for that, it told me a lot about the culture of the company already that I was inheriting. And so not knowing me and learning how to trust me over the next two years was my biggest um, challenge. And um, so, you know, we went into high communication, um, extending the runway, telling people what was going on, sharing the results. And we created the, the path for ourselves. We charted a path together. So the ELT and I charted the path, but the, the full leadership team participated in creating how we're gonna measure those results and then getting into an operating rhythm to make sure that we were on the right course and we could course correct quickly. So we really had to come together quickly and I was brand new. Um, and I think some people had to take a blind leap. Some people decided it wasn't for them and they needed to leave. Um, and we just reorganized in a way that we felt met the challenges in front of us. And that continued and we had to continue to evolve over time. I wanted to see people more and we ended up seeing people less. And now two and a half years later, I think that's a, an employee value proposition is to be able to have that freedom and flexibility to work from home. And so a lot has happened in the last couple of years, but that's how we started. And those were the challenges in front of us. Yeah, I can imagine it's interesting to come into a company 
in a leadership role right at the the start of all of that because you have a lot of opportunity to to change things um, that maybe weren't working well for employees before or for the leadership uh, leadership team before. So it's actually challenging, like you were saying, but there's a lot of opportunity there um, to, to you know change things for the better or to learn really what that culture is and and see see for yourself the, the truth behind right. that. And and speaking of of culture, uh, and of course this is a podcast about women in tech, so I'm focused on inclusivity and, and support, all that kind of stuff. So if you could name like two or three key takeaways related to how to best build an inclusive and supportive company culture, what would those be? So I would say setting the course together, um, providing guidance on that and boundaries with, you know, with, you know, as needed. Um, I think setting that course together with the leadership team and involving all people managers in that direction and in that process, it, it creates a lot of buy-in and understanding of why we're going in the direction that we're going in, then recognizing the behavior that you're looking for and communicating often. So people know what's going on. They know why things are being done. It doesn't take so long for the tail to catch up with what's going on at the top if we're constantly communicating. So we have a pretty open communication forum. Before every all hands call, we have an anonymous line. People can ask any question that they want. Uh, we'll answer all of those questions on an all hands. Um, and if we can't get to them, we, we put out an FAQ if we just run out of time or we stay longer if we need to. But I think, I think inclusivity in the direction that we've set, understanding your role in that vision, and then communicating along the way, recognizing the behavior that you want. I think those are really key things to, to have in place for, for an inclusive culture. And I think diversity is so key because you get different points of view and you have healthy debates. It might take a little longer to get to the final answer. And some people don't have the patience for that, but I think it's the healthiest way to really consider all points of view or as many as you can. I think it's interesting that you have an anonymous line for questions. And I think maybe I have my own answers as to why I think being anonymous is helpful here, but I thought maybe uh, you could explain why it being anonymous is important when we're talking about inclusivity and diversity and things like that. So I guess that maybe I should add that you can also just raise your hand and ask a question anytime you want on an all hands, right? You could submit it in the chat. The reason we have anonymous is because some people are afraid to ask questions. Um, they think their question might be stupid or it might be charged in some way. Um, it might be too provocative and they don't want their name attached to it or they don't trust yet that it's a safe envi environment to ask those questions. And that could be for lots and lots of reasons. I set up one-on-ones with new people who've come in just to ask them after a couple months here, what's their experience and how can we be better? And it just creates that dialogue. And I think it helps develop some level of trust where some people are more apt to ask questions openly in an open forum, but some, no matter what you do, they're still going to be, um, I don't know, I think just a little shy to do that. And we just wanna make sure that we create a vehicle that really provides input for all players, not just those who are more willing to be out there and vocal. Yeah, I think that's great, especially because I think historically, or there are studies that show that who's likely to be more vocal versus uh, a little bit more hesitant. Um, we know there are gender and racial lines there. 
So um, I think that's just, that's just great. My last question is, is kind of summing up this whole, <laughs> this whole journey that you've been on with the company that we've been talking about. Can you name one thing that you're the most proud of about the company and what's it, what it has achieved, but also one thing that continues to be a goal that the company is, is working towards still? Our employees and the culture is really, really important to me. And there's two metrics I pay attention to. One is in this great resignation um, you know, trend that we've been hearing about for the last year, um, we are well ahead of all of those trends and um, we are not losing people. And as we scale, 70% of our new hires are for employee referrals. That says a lot to me uh, about the people that are here because I believe when people are happy, they're going to perform. They're gonna make our customers happier and we're seeing great you know, response from our customers. Our COO, Cliff Johnson, has done a brilliant job stabilizing our platform and for growth and scale. Um, our CFO did a great job last year getting uh, us our, our round of funding. So, you know, all of the, the basics are coming together. They're there for us to continue to scale. I have to say that I'm most proud of our culture, and I believe that this is a really special team. And when I talk to some of the new employees that have joined us, people that I've known for a long time, people I've never met before, you know, until they came to, through the process at Matrix, what they say is, I knew that there were really smart people here. I just didn't know how smart. And I really enjoy working with people of this caliber. So we want to continue that because I think that will get us where we're trying to go. And it will return for our shareholders, our employees, our partners, and our customers. Okay, Glow, thank you so much for your time today. This has been really great. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Well Technically is an Arden Media production. For advertising inquiries, contact Danny Miller at dmiller at ardenmedia.com.